Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me here on this Friday. We have survived yet another week in Biden's America. Congratulations. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please check me out on social media on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore and my Twitter account and Truth Social both the same address at Monica Crowley. Also, you can shoot me an email about this show to Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Keep those emails coming. I read them all and I might put yours on the air. So keep those emails flowing. All right. Well, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, I want to deal with the big Supreme Court decisions that we got yesterday and today on guns and abortion. The theme of these decisions is life. Life. Of course, we've got Roe v. Wade. I'm going to handle that in a second. And the overturning of that really despicable decision from 1972. And I want to tell you about President Nixon and his view on that. Because I talked to him a little bit about it in the last years of his life when I was working uh, for him. He was president at the time Roe v. Wade came down. So I'll share that with you and my bigger thoughts about what this means. Also, the Second Amendment lives thanks to Justice Clarence Thomas, whose birthday was yesterday. He is truly a national treasure, is he not? He wrote the main opinion in the gun case, and it was simple, elegant, and based on the Constitution. What a concept, right? The Supreme Court actually did their job this time around on both of these issues. We're going to get to it. Also, there's only one person I wanted to talk to when the Roe v. Wade decision came down, and that was my good friend Todd Starnes, who is one of the great cultural and political commentators. He has a national radio show, and we will get his view on Roe v. Wade. He has been a true pro-life warrior for many, many years. So we'll talk to him about the decision and what the fallout 
might be. And like I said, your emails. Okay, well, this is truly a momentous day. And I'm very, very emotional about the court's decision on Roe v. Wade. And I was actually very emotional about their decision on the Second Amendment yesterday as well. Both of these things brought tears to my eyes because I think a lot of us have just assumed that the country is lost and the Democrat communists are really taking over. And even more importantly, and what's underlying all of this, I think we all had a sense, whether we're believers in God or not, we all had a sense that evil was ascendant. And I'm not saying evil has given up. Evil never gives up. But we had this idea that it was ascendant and goodness and decency and what is right and faith and God and all of the things that we share here in America that has contributed to America's greatness making this country not just a great country, but a good country, that those things were falling by the wayside, never to be retrieved again. I don't know about you, but I I sort of had the sinking feeling like, well, the country is gone, and how are we going to manage this? What are we going to do about it? Well, these two Supreme Court decisions are like cornerstones here, and it It actually gives me hope that America is not, in fact, lost. And while evil is constantly on the march and constantly being aggressive, um, goodness also tends to prevail in the end. My feeling, particularly with Roe v. Wade and what the Supreme Court decision did, is that God has finally put his foot down. And we'll talk to uh, Todd Starnes about this as well. But I really feel like God allows everything for a reason, and sometimes it's really tough to see what that reason is. Sometimes you need a lot of time and distance to look back and say, oh, that's what God was doing there. Okay, got it now. It was miserable and horrible at the time, but now I see he had a plan. And sometimes you don't live to see that. Sometimes the thing just happens and then you pass away and you don't get to see it. But faith is all about putting it up on God's shoulders and letting him take care of it, right? So I think in this case, God has had enough. (laughs) And I really think he's like, all right, I've allowed this to go on a little too long. And now I am going to put my foot down here and restore what is good and true, So now, this decision does not mean that abortion is illegal in the United States of America, unfortunately, but that's not what the court decided. The court decided that Roe v. Wade, as a constitutional and legal matter, was absolutely atrocious. And even left-wingers who are part of the the pro-choice movement and sternly pro-choice, like the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was all for pro-choice politics, but even she came out and said, you know what? Roe v. Wade is legal garbage. It's legal garbage. Doesn't have a leg to stand on. So her fear was that we were going to get a case that was going to make it up to the Supreme Court, and the court was going to overturn it strictly on the legal merits. And she was exactly right, because we got this case that came up And the Supreme Court did take the opportunity to say, Roe v. Wade is legal garbage. We're overturning it. And here's the kicker. So keep this in mind when you see all the leftists unhinged, running wild through the country, burning our cities down, which I have no doubt they're going to do. 
But keep in mind that this decision does not illegalize abortion. It just kicks it back to the states. And it's even right there in the language, in the opinion, goes back to the states and the people's elected representatives. Well, what do you know? I mean, the left is always screaming, screaming about democracy, right? You look at this January 6th committee and, oh, what an enormous threat to our democracy. The people who are always yelling the loudest about threats to our democracy are the ones who are threatening it the most. So the left is out here on the one hand with January 6th and all of that, yelling about the sanctity of our democracy. So the Supreme Court said, okay, you know what? Yeah, democracy is important. The people's voices are important. And nine robed judges should not be deciding this kind of issue. This is a social issue. It should go back to the states and their elected representatives, in particular, the elected representatives closest to the people. Keep in mind the way our federal system is set up, the, the, the representatives on the, the national level who are closest to you is your member of Congress. You can go to their office. You can send them an email. You can call up their office. You can meet with them. If you've got a problem, you can call them and ask them for their help. You can't do that with uh, the governor, really, maybe in some states. Maybe if you're in like South Dakota, you can call up Christy Nome. Um, But you certainly cannot do that with most governors, and you cannot do it with the president of the United States. You just can't. You can't reach him. He is sitting atop all of it with a whole other set of responsibilities. But the representatives who are literally and figuratively closest to you, your member of Congress, your mayor, your city council, your school board, those are the people that you can actually go to to have your grievances and concerns redressed. And and actually, the institution at the federal level, which is most furthest removed from the American people, is the Supreme Court. You can't just go petition the Supreme Court. You have to go through an entire process, starting at a very low level in the judicial system, going all the way up. First of all, it's got to be a federal case and not a state case, but it's got to go all the way through like the appellate system, circuit courts, yada, yada, all the way up to the Supreme Court. So it's really hard to get there. So those nine justices are actually the furthest removed from you and me. And they said, democracy, great. We're all for it. Here you go. This decision is a championing of democracy because it's handing it back to the people and their elected representatives. So if you live in a conservative state like Louisiana or Mississippi, there are going to be very tight abortion restrictions because that's what the people in the state want. But if you live in California or New York, those deep blue states who love abortion, well, Gavin Newsom in California is already talking about making it like, a, like an abortion sanctuary. Like you come to California for your abortion and, you know, you, you get a mud mask and a mani-pedi at the same time. That's how they're pitching the blue states. Democracy. The left, 
on January 6th and, and other times, ah, Trump was a threat to democracy. January 6th, they almost tore down our democracy. All hyperbole and lies, but this is what they do. But now they're going crazy over the Supreme Court decision. But this decision is the ultimate in democracy. Don't you just love the irony when it just comes to us like this? It's just so good. It, this is a glorious day for life, for innocent life, uh, for babies who have no say, that conceived and then, you know, no say in whether they live or die. This, this is just a momentous day in every direction. And there is another big point about it. The big point here is that because it's going to shake out between red states and blue states, and this polarization has been going on a really long time. Somebody called it the great sorting, where if you're a conservative in a blue state and your life is a living hell, you pick up stakes and go to a red state, right? If you're living in a deep blue state and your life is just horrendous, you pick up stakes and you go to a red state. You go to Florida, you go to Tennessee, Texas, Arizona, and we have seen this great sorting. And I said from the beginning, when these trend lines first started, I said, the red states are going to become redder and the blue states are going to become bluer. And that's exactly what is happening here. And it's going to happen even more now that this Roe v. Wade thing has come down. You'll see the great sorting really exaggerate. But what's fascinating to me is that the contrast between decent, well-run red states, and, and we have it economically now, right? You can see that the red states are far outstripping the blue states in terms of economic recovery, job creation, unemployment levels. Red states are thriving. Blue states getting crushed. But now you're going to see it on a cultural level. The left loved Roe v. Wade for a whole variety of reasons, but they really loved it because it spread out the immorality. It spread out the evil. It was a nationwide ruling. So whether you lived in Mississippi or you lived in California, it was the law of the land. Hey, nothing we can do about it. Abortion is legal. Go get yours. Now, What's going to happen is that the red states are going to take pains to really protect human life, and the blue states are going to be free-for-all. So the contrast in evil, the contrast between good versus evil is going to be even more stark. Now, the left doesn't give a flying what about that. They could care less, but I think it's going to become ever more apparent to more and more people, which is going to chip away at the Democrats' constituency. Because when you've got red states that are thriving economically and are good and decent and protecting human life versus blue states that are sucking salt economically and destroying, killing human life, that distinction is going to become ever more apparent and it's going to hurt the Democrats long-term maybe even short-term. Maybe this is going to happen a lot faster than I think. Maybe it's going to accelerate in a really, really important way. I, I think it is going to happen. I just don't know how fast. The left loves to spread it out so that nobody can point and say, you're killers, right? Or you're communists. 
now I guess on the communist thing, they don't really care, but they, they love to like spread it out so that they can sort of dodge it and hide behind their evil. Well, now the great sorting, especially on Roe v. Wade, is going to put this into bold relief and it's going to hurt their cause. Mark my words. All right, when we come back, we're going to turn our attention to their gun decision, which is also really interesting. Speaking of blue states, uh, we'll be back right after this. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, quite the way to end the week, right? So we had a couple of huge Supreme Court decisions come down yesterday and today. We just talked about the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which I really believe is going to lead to um, all kinds of upheaval in the country because the left always looks for any pretext possible to set the country on fire. They need the violent mayhem in order to get through their their radical agenda. So they need the chaos. This is what these radical DAs are doing in terms of turning out violent criminals. They need the chaos in order to thrive and push through their agenda. So, you know, you saw it with George Floyd, which was a horrible murder, okay? But for the left, it was a gift. That murder was a gift. This is how they think, right? On the abortion issue, there's no respect for human life. They looked at the George Floyd murder as an opportunity to leverage, and they took it. They always take it. So they went wild, burned down the country, burned down great American cities, killed a bunch of people, dozens of people dead. But you'll notice that they and their useful idiots like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are all focused on January 6th when the country itself was torched in the summer of 2020 because that's what communists do. And I I should actually use the phrase neo-communists 
neo-communists, because that's what we're dealing with here. They're all Marxists, but when you say Marxism, people consider like Karl Marx. They have Karl Marx in their mind's eye with the long beard and the 19th century clothes and all of that. These people are neo-communists. Same beliefs, but they've brought it into the 21st century, along with technology and the working hand in glove with their fellow neo-communists in technology, in big tech. So we are now in this postmodern era of neo-communism. But that's why the Supreme Court decision that happened yesterday, it is so critically important to the future that we're facing here in the country. So Roe v. Wade is about life, innocent life, babies' lives. All lives matter. And the Second Amendment decision from the court yesterday is also about all lives matter. I said at the beginning of this podcast today that the theme is life. Exactly so. So this uh, Second Amendment decision, uh, absolutely critical, because what the court decided in a 6-3 decision, Roe v. Wade was 5-4, which we all had all predicted, but the gun decision was 6-3, And what they decided was that average citizens, ordinary law-abiding citizens, have the exact same right as anybody else to carry handguns publicly for their self-defense. It came out of a New York State law which um, issues public carry licenses only when the applicant demonstrates a what they call special need for self-defense. So you have to be in a certain category. You've got to be a public figure, a celebrity, the bodyguard of a celebrity. If you wanted a concealed carry in New York, being able to take it out of your house into the public arena to defend yourself, uh, you had to go through all kinds of hoops. You had to demonstrate a very specific special need before they would grant you that license. And so the Supreme Court yesterday concluded that New York State's licensing regime violates the Constitution because what they said was you can't discriminate. This is discriminatory. So let's say Beyonce wanted to carry a gun in New York. She can get it because, well, she's a public figure, but you being petrified of rising crime in New York, you can't get that concealed carry license because you don't demonstrate a special need. And the Supreme Court said that is discriminatory. It's wrong, and we are ruling against it. We're going to overturn it. Well, the left went crazy. Again, the theme of democracy, (laughs) very important, right? Again, the left screaming about threats to our democracy from Trump and the January 6th protests. Well, the Supreme Court on abortion, as I mentioned, said, hey, you want democracy? Here you go. Back to the states and to the people. And on this, they're saying, you want democracy? Great. We're going to allow average people in a democratic society to be able to carry a handgun for self-defense. It's the ultimate in democracy. And yet, of course, the left is still going bananas. Former MSNBC host Keith Olbermann, who is one of the most miserable, nastiest people on the face of the earth, he's a psycho, he called for nullification. Yesterday, he came out and said, it has become necessary to dissolve the Supreme Court of the United States. The first step is for uh, a state 
uh, the court has now forced guns upon to ignore this ruling. Great, you're a court. Why and how do you think uh, you can enforce your rulings? Ignore the court. And then there are other radical anti-gun group, March for Our Lives, came out, and and they said basically the same thing. Um, A former Clinton and Schumer aide that runs another anti-gun group, he used the news to push their demand uh, to expand and pack the court. All of this stuff about tearing down our judicial system, tearing down all of our institutions, you're going to see that more with Roe v. Wade as well. Um, So like all communists, if something does not go their way, they want to burn it all down, literally and figuratively, which is their point. Violent mayhem is a necessary condition for them. So they stoke these fires all the time. And they're always looking for pretexts to do it, like George Floyd's murder, Supreme Court decisions, you name it. They're always looking for opportunities to create violent anarchy so they can keep pushing their agenda. I'm really gratified to see that the Supreme Court has actually done their job and allowed us to protect ourselves, especially in a time of rising crime They want to defund the police, but they don't want you carrying a weapon? Oh, screw that. And thank God the Supreme Court said the same. I'm Monica Crowley. When we come back, we will talk to the great Todd Starnes about all of this. It's going to be a great conversation, so sit tight. Well, uh, what a momentous day and what a joyous day. And uh, this is why I wanted to have my guest on today. In fact, over the last week or so, when we realized that we were closing in on these final Supreme Court decisions that were going to come out, I thought of only one person who I wanted to join me on the day that the decision about Roe versus Wade came out. And that is my good friend and superb cultural commentator, Todd Starnes. Todd is the host of the national radio program, The Todd Starn Show, and I recommend it to everybody. And he is also the author of his last book, published a couple of years ago, but as relevant today as it was then, is called Culture Jihad, a really, really important cultural commentary. And Todd joins me now. Hello, my friend. Monica, what a, what a great day. And, uh, you know, we, we say praise God, but I think we also have to say thank you, President Trump, uh, because without his, uh, without his nominations to the Supreme Court, we would not be having the celebration today. So, you know what, Todd, that's a really good point. And in fact, about five minutes after the decision came out, I took to Twitter and I tweeted exactly that. I tweeted, we would never have gotten this victory for life without President Trump. Thank you, Mr. President. And, you know, you and I both often and on the air often talk about God's plan. And sometimes because we're we're both people of faith um, and sometimes it doesn't always make sense to us, but he's working everything for the good. And, you know, President Trump came into office and did so much good. But to me, I think, you know, his so many great legacies, but perhaps his greatest of them all is the three Supreme Court justices that he was permitted to nominate and get approved on the Supreme Court that gave us this huge victory for life. Yeah, you know, and and I think that is going to be a part of the Trump legacy, maybe the, the foundation of the incredible things that he did to 
really retransform the nation. You know, Barack Obama promised to fundamentally transform America during his presidency. And I think he delivered on those campaign promises. And President Trump spent much of his administration undoing the damage that the, the radicals in Obama's administration caused to this country. But the, the, the judiciary and the appointments to the federal bench were so spot on. And this idea of restoring strict constitutionals to the courts. And ultimately, it's yes, culturally, it's about Roe v. Wade. It's about saving unborn babies. But Monica, from a political perspective, this is about sending sending rights that the government took away from the states back to the states. And, and that's something that, uh, from a political perspective, I think people are going to be writing about uh, for, for a very long time. Yes, I agree. And, you know, the, the left is always, well, today, and I, I assume into the future and over the summer, you're going to see the typical insane, unhinged, violent response from the radical left on this and yeah. and other things because they look for any pretext um, to try to burn the country down. But um, what, do, what do you anticipate here? Because let's be very clear, again, this does not mean that abortion nationwide is illegal. The, as you point out, the court kicked it back to the states and their elected representatives where it should be. So every state can decide for itself based on where its people are at any given moment on this very sensitive issue of life. So they did that. So all of this unhinged reaction, like, well, women are going back into the alley with a hanger. Um, all of that is just pure hyperbole, but I expect it to continue at least through November. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, Governor Gavin Newsom wants to make California an abortion destination state. Uh, they want women to come and have their abortions at the Ritz-Carlton and uh, have a little bit of a spa day. Um, they've actually been promoting that. Uh, but I can tell you that, for example, here in Tennessee, where I live, uh, we had a law already on the books, and that law was triggered as soon as the court ruling came down. So in Tennessee, the volunteer state, Abortion is illegal now uh, as a result of that Supreme Court ruling. But you asked what we can expect. Uh, there are grave concerns that that it could be become very violent very quickly across this nation. I do know that the um, some some FBI agents here in the Mid South area have been reaching out quietly to pro-life organizations and churches, just letting them know, hey, be alert. Uh, we also know the Justice Department has reached out to many Catholic churches, uh, warning them of this so-called night of rage. Uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe told us a few days ago that there are pamphlets being posted all over Washington uh, calling for violence uh, once Roe v. Wade was overturned. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, certainly it is a good um, it's a good idea for everybody in the pro-life movement to uh, have their heads on a swivel today and uh, make sure that you're watching your six. Yes, it's a good word of warning. And you have been such a pro-life warrior for so long, Todd. Again, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on this podcast today. So thank you for, for that. Um, do, do you think 
that the political fallout is going to be significant. I really don't. I think that public opinion on abortion, which has been largely split 50-50 between pro-abortion and pro-life, but that has been trending in the pro-life direction for quite a while. And I can't imagine, I mean, I think maybe in some certain districts, uh, in places, little pockets around the country, it might have some sway. But I think overall, people have the abortion issue kind of baked into the way they view the world and the way they view the country, even with this decision. And there are more pressing things like inflation and gas prices that are top of mind. What what do you think will be the political fallout of this? Is this really going to galvanize the left and Democratic voters to, to really come out and, and blunt some of the impact of the red wave we're all anticipating and hoping for? You know, Monica, I I think this is a pretty interesting time for the ruling to come down. Maybe if things were going very well in the Biden administration and the economy was kicking, maybe this would be a campaign issue. But I think the problems facing America are so catastrophic and apocalyptic that this is not even registering with anybody. But even but still, when you look at younger um, younger Americans, Generation Z. It's been our it's been our uh, opinion, and when you look at a lot of the the data out there, the polling data, most younger Americans actually are in fact pro life. They oppose abortion, and I think a lot of that is because of your great work. I mean, you're out there uh, talking about these pro life issues, Project Veritas, exposing the the nefariousness of uh, Planned Parenthood, selling off the baby body parts. Um, there have been a lot of powerful documentaries out there. So I think this is there's been a generational shift on the abortion issue that the mainstream media has completely ignored. And that's why I really don't think this is going to move the needle for pro-abortion Democrats in the fall. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. We're talking to Todd Starnes. He's a national radio host, host of the Todd Starn Show. Please go check it out. And the author of Culture Jihad. So we also yesterday, Todd, got the decision on guns, a big win for the Second Amendment, struck down a deep blue state's gun control law, New York, uh, the state in which I live and which I sit. So pray for me. Um, But they struck down this law that made it more difficult for the average person to carry a weapon, uh, concealed carry in public. And they struck it down and said, no, average citizens uh, certainly have the right to carry a weapon in self-defense in public, not just keep it in their their home. That is another big cultural issue, is it not? It's huge. And and Monica, I lived among the indigenous liberal population of Brooklyn for 15 (laughs) years. Yeah. And I was my mailman told me I was the only member of the National Rifle Association in the zip code. Uh, So I and they made it so hard. You are so right. They made it so hard for law abiding citizens to actually get guns. It was really easy if you're a criminal, but for people like me, so I basically, my NRA ball cap, I wore that thing everywhere and people just assumed I was, I was packing. Uh, but, but the idea, when you go back and look at that New York law, the idea that wanting a gun just to protect your family, just to protect your, your property, that that did not qualify you for a concealed permit was mind boggling. So yeah, I look, Monica, you know this, and you talk about this all the time on your podcast. Uh, we're talking about puzzle pieces here. There's something much bigger going on in this country, and it's it's about 
replacing capitalism is about replacing our way of life with something else. And, and that something else, I believe, is socialism. I thought one of the, the more egregious moments of the China virus pandemic was when our churches were shut down. Yes. And I think, part, I think Monica, I think part of that was to see if, in fact, pastors would shut down their churches. Would it be possible? Would there be much pushback? And, and that troubles me uh, when I saw how quickly our fellow citizens were willing to surrender their civil liberties for the sake of a public health emergency. So that's why I think the attacks on the Second Amendment are going to continue. But fortunately, thanks to the courts and those those Trump judges, um, you know, I think that we're going to be able to, to be good for the time being. Yes, I agree with you as well. I mean, the Supreme Court, every institution in this nation has been deeply corrupted, Todd. And you and I talk about this all the time on your show and, and on this podcast. Um, the Supreme Court is sort of the last holdout. And even they have shown over the years some tendency to political winds and political vulnerabilities and pressure. But on these two cases... Um, Second Amendment and life, boy, they, they actually did their jobs, and that kind of gives me hope. Oh yeah, and it's by the way, I you, remember Keith Olbermann, you know the the blowhard over at MSDNC. Remember oh yes. that guy. Yes. So Olbermann, I thought he you know, he can't keep a job. I mean, he's just apparently a very horrible person to work with. Uh, so uh, he got booted. So he's on the, he's on Twitter, and he's always you know posting these these crazy things. So he's calling for the abolishment of the Supreme Court. He he wants it gone, eradicated. And uh, somebody pointed out rather brilliantly, um, you know, dude, you're actually advocating for an insurrection. So I mean, you know, it's 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 amazing how the definition of insurrection just kind of changes daily, much like people's personal pronouns. Oh yes, no, they're all psycho, and we mentioned him at the top of the show and his insanity. Yeah, they're all losing it. They're all losing it, which uh, tells you, you know, evil, which has been ascendant for a really long time. Again, I get to my point. It looks like God is starting to put his foot down here (laughs) and take control of, I mean, he's always in control, but, you know, he's steering the ship in another direction for a different purpose. Um, I I would love to, before I let you go, Todd, I'd love to get your reaction to where the, the American culture is more broadly. We're starting to see a shift. You know, the Supreme Court decisions seem to tend in one direction in a more positive and traditional uh, uh, direction, but we're also starting to see that culture-wide in terms of movies like the Top Gun Maverick movie, which sort of sends you back to a different time in America, uh, did huge, huge money, but the Lightyear movie, which was always such a popular franchise, has a same-sex kiss, and that is like bombing. Um, ESG now, corporate tyranny, that seems to be under attack. And a lot of corporations like Disney are going, whoa, we really stepped in it. Maybe we need to rethink our approach on this. What is your overall sense of where we are in the culture? Because culture dictates everything, including politics. You know, that's a fascinating question, Monica. And, and I think that we are we are in a good spot. Uh, you, you, when you look at, let's, you know, look at the, the modern American family right now, you're talking about moms and dads who are in their 30s. Uh, many of those are military veterans. They served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so we really had this 
sort of a new generation, um, a version of the greatest generation, you know, moms and dads coming back from war. Uh, they are patriotic. Uh, many of them, because of whatever they went through in the war, have embraced religion. Uh, so you have a lot of young people that are going back to the church and they're bringing their kids who are now in middle school and, and, and high school. And so I do think we're, we're seeing this resurgence of patriotism. And honestly, I think it's much bigger than any of us can imagine. It's just that the mainstream media doesn't they don't want to talk about that, which is why they don't want to talk about why a Top Gun Maverick is doing so well. You know, people crave that kind of, of experience going to the movies. They want to be entertained and, and not indoctrinated. And I think by and large, you know, people are now beginning to reject this radical indoctrination that's been that's been exposed in our in our public schools. So I have hope. Uh, Monica and I have hope because when you when you look at what's happening in Virginia, we're talking about moms and dads who not only took on their school boards, but they radically changed the direction of what was a blue state. You know, when I was a kid growing up in in, in our little Baptist church in in Memphis, I remember we we sang a song, and it's it's something that I just cling to as a personal belief that my hope is is not found in Washington, it's not found in the halls of Congress. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that goes back to this idea that we truly are one nation under God, and he's, under, and he's in control. Yes, amen to that. What a beautiful note to end on. Todd, thank you so much. Todd Starnes, he is the host of the national radio show, The Todd Starnes Show. And please go check that out and his latest book called Culture Jihad. Todd, always a pleasure. Thank you. Wow, what a show today, huh? What a momentous week we have had for decency and goodness and the rule of law. Truly historic. Historic decision on Roe versus Wade and the protection of innocent life. And a historic decision yesterday on the Second Amendment and gun rights. Really incredible. We have had a lot of being beaten down in the last couple of years and really seeing evil being ascendant. So it's nice to have a couple of victories here for what is right and what is good. And that's why I take today and really reflect on it, think about it, thank God for it, take the weekend and do the same because these victories don't come along that much. Evil is very powerful. So when we get these kinds of wins, just really appreciate it and thank the almighty that we're here Um, I do want to say, you know, over the weekend, I'm sure that we are going to see, and going into next week and the summer, we're going to see riots and violence based on Roe v. Wade, but other things as well, as we've mentioned. So just be safe where you are. And I'm looking at, uh, you know, the Supreme Court justices' homes. We have seen these insane protesters outside Amy Coney Barrett's house, Brett Kavanaugh's house. Of course, Brett Kavanaugh had that very serious death threat. Someone came across the country to try to assassinate the man. So, uh, you know, they're certainly in danger. We all are because we're all walking city streets and everything else. But these Supreme Court justices are really really in a dangerous position. So keep them in your thoughts, in your prayers. Uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, the radical who's sitting at the DOJ, he has done nothing. His inaction has been inexcusable. These kinds of protests outside SCOTUS's homes are completely illegal, and he has done nothing. 
He has not lifted a finger to try to protect the Supreme Court justices. Why? Because he's a neo-communist also who wants our institutions torn apart and destroyed. So even if it costs a Supreme Court justice their life, he's okay with that. This is the guy, the chief law enforcement officer of the country after the president. This is what he believes. And if he didn't, change my mind, A.G. Garland, and actually send protection for these folks. The Congress just passed that bill. The left didn't want it, like AOC. They just passed this. And on top of it, they didn't even need the bill to give them protection against these kinds of wackos. But all of these protesters outside their houses should be arrested and prosecuted. But Garland will not do that. So keep all of these people in your prayers today. They actually did their jobs. They followed the Constitution. They followed the law. And this is very, very good for America. Let's hit the email bag. And I promised you thoughts from President Nixon on Roe v. Wade. And actually, Charles sent me an email a couple of days ago, which gives me the perfect uh, launching off point to talk about President Nixon. Charles writes, really enjoy your show. It's very rare, maybe never, that I hear someone speak accolades about President Nixon. Please do more. I always thought he was a great president. Thank you. Kind regards, Charles. Well, Charles, I can't thank you enough for this note. I've gotten a number of emails about my show that I did a week ago, last Friday, in which I discussed President Nixon, and a lot of you have let me know that you are big fans and admirers of his. So I thank you for that. And as I've mentioned, I'm going to continue to talk about him and my experiences with him for two main reasons. One, I learned so much from him. My time with him informs how I think about the country and the world. And two, the things he foresaw are largely coming to pass. So in addition to being brilliant, he was also a bit prophetic. He was a real visionary. I miss him every day, and I think the country does too. So thank you for appreciating all of that, Charles, and to everybody else who has written to me about President Nixon. He really got a raw end of the deal. Um, And so I'm just going to end the show today with his view. You know, we talked about Roe v. Wade not often, maybe a couple of times in the four years that I worked for him. Um, But that decision, Roe v. Wade, came down in 1972 when he was president and he was running for re-election. And I remember him saying to me that it was such a legally pathetic kind of decision, but he said, you know, it it sort of made political sense because that was in the big swing. It was in the big middle of the women's lib movement, you know, the feminist movement, first wave feminists going into second wave feminism. So he thought that the Supreme Court was acting in a political and social way rather than a constitutional and legal way with this. So when that case went to the court, yeah, they gave us this garbage decision, but they did it because he thought, because they felt like they couldn't not do it. 
In other words, they had to do it given the social upheaval and the women in the streets uh, agitating for equal rights and burning their bras in the street and the whole counter-cultural revolution which was going on as a result of the Vietnam War, as a result of the feminist movement, the nascent gay rights movement. It was all beginning and happening at that time. And so Nixon's view was Roe v. Wade came up and the just took the opportunity to make social change rather than stay closely tied to the Constitution and the law. So the justices made up uh, a provision, a privacy provision out of whole cloth, does not exist in the Constitution. There's nothing in there about abortion or, or anything like that. They made up a privacy provision out of thin air and hung their entire decision on that. And Nixon's view was... At the time, he said he realized it was a social and political move, but he said he also realized that, you know, once we went down this road of making abortion legal in the country, it was going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for political and social reasons to reverse it. And yet, here we are today, on this incredible day, June 24th, 2022, And the Supreme Court has done exactly what Nixon thought would be almost impossible to do, which is overturn Roe v. Wade, send it back to the states and to the people where it belongs. Okay, that is going to do it for me on this historic day. Thank you so much for rolling with me today as we celebrate life and the Second Amendment together. Have a fantastic weekend. Make the most of it. It's the first real weekend of the summer. So get out there and enjoy it. And I will see you right back here on Monday. 